0: Thank you for listening to the weekly message from First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, we're in a series, The Joshua Code. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, we kind of jumped into a, a new passage, the Beatitudes, and uh, we did not get as far as we needed to or as far as I needed this to, and so we're going to do it again, okay? We've got to pick up kind of a second part to that. Uh, Brad, if you want that first slide for me. This is kind of the theme of what we've kind of looked at. These are the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. Because folks, here's the deal. You can can do the right thing and be wrong. Do you realize that? I mean, you tell your kid to go clean the room, and they go in there and go, I clean my room. I'll tell you right now, I clean my room. Clean my room. They're cleaning the room, but the heart that's cleaning that room is as wrong and as rotten as it can be. And you say, well, that's just for kids in cleaning rooms. Maybe <laughs> may we please get a time out. We as adults can approach the throne of God the same way. We can approach the Word that way. We can approach worship that way. We can approach tithing that way. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I don't have it, but he says, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do my tithe. And we can do the right thing, and be wrong in here. And we, we, I know that's a little heavy, but man, that's the flat truth. I've been there, and if I've been there, most likely you've been there. We've all been there because man is, 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 is deceitful. It, it, that heart of man is hard sometimes, and it takes the Holy Spirit on a daily basis getting us where we need to be. And so we're looking at the be attitudes, uh, not the do attitudes, my friends, because doing the right thing without any reason and any inner uh, being will wear you out. You'll stop. You'll just stop. I want you to turn your Bible. I want to read this passage, and then we'll jump into the outline. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. I want to begin in verse 1, and I'm going to read all the way to 12, just because I want to put it in the whole, the whole caption this time. Uh, Matthew 5, the first verse. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain, and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Brett if you'll pop up that one thing, that first slide. Next one, please. The first three Beatitudes show us the pathway. We talked about that last week. The pathway kind of leads to the passageway. That's 5, 6. We looked at verses 3, 4, and 5. 3, 4, and 5 kind of take us to 6. What we talked about last week was the first three, 3, 4, and 5, lead in to 6. 6 is the benchmark and then from, from, from out of 6, out of 6 flows seven eight nine ten. 10. And you say, well, I just want to start in 6 and go to 7, 10. Nope. 3, 4, and 5 are very, very important. We talked about in 3 that we are poverty-stricken without Jesus. We're just poverty-stricken without Jesus. I mean, we're just spiritually poor without him. We're rich in him. Secondly, we looked at verse 4. Verse 4 reminds us of the fact that, that we, um, we, we need to be grieved about our spiritual condition. You know, I have all this before me. I should be a lot further than I am, and I'm grieved that I'm not. And then in verse 5, we talked about the meek and the brokenness, that, that it's just like breaking a horse. Once you break that horse, you can guide that horse with word or just with a bridle. We, we need to be broken before God that we can be in his hands and he can nudge us and we know it's the Father. Or he can speak and we go, oh, yes, Lord, I know that's you. We don't hear all the background noise because we're so intimate with the Father. When he whispers, we can hear it, just whispering. So I want to look at 5, 6, and then we'll take off from there. 5, 6, the pathway into the blessing, into the life of blessing. Matthew 5, 6, I want to read it with you again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This area right here is kind of a paradoxical statement, meaning that when you hear it, you don't think there's any truth in that, any fact, okay? But when you look a little deeper, you go, wow, that is true. Because when you read it, you say, well, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. That means if you just read it, you go, well, all I got to do is hunger and thirst one time, I'll be filled, and I'm good. I'm good. I don't need anymore. None is quiet time. I don't even need to go to church anymore because I just hungered and thirst one time. I got this big old 72-ounce ribeye from Jesus, and I am stuffed. I don't need to eat the rest of my life. That's not true. He says for us that if we will hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. For us that is we as believers that is that is a daily pursuit of the things of god or the best of god while we hunger for him we will be filled it's not a hunger for happiness oh, i'm going to hunger and thirst for for happiness and i'll be filled can i just tell you something you won't be this world's got nothing that can make you satisfied i mean you get the right house i'll be happy you get the right house, you're still mad. I get the right car, I'll be happy. You get the right car, you're ha- unhappy. Well, if I could just get these clothes and look this way, I'd be happy. No, you won't. No, you won't. Well, if, if I got this job, I'd be so happy. Well, I'm not happy because I live in this God-forsaken desert. If I just lived in a beach and man, I could walk out into this paradise, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't if they stuck you on an island in the middle of the Bahamas, you'd still be mad. Why? Because you're thirsting for the things of the world to make you satisfied. And the created things are not supposed to satisfy. It's the creator. It's Jesus. That's how we were wired. It began with him. It's going to end with him. It's going to end with him. Those are the things that satisfy us. I want to look at what comes out of that, the proof coming out of the life of blessing. We talked about 5-6. 5-6 is the benchmark. It's the passageway. It's pursuing God every single day for his best and, and, and thirsting for his righteousness. And out of that, we will be blessed and we will live a life of blessing. All right? And you do that with a humble spirit. Why? Because you know that there's nothing in you that's generating this. It's all because of him doing it in you. And see, if he's not in you, it's not going to happen. Because if it's all about doing, 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 to hope to be, mm-mm, not going to happen. You've got to be to do. Okay. Because if you get those reversed, you're going to get mad, just like Martha did at Mary. It's not Mary's fault. She chose the best. I want you to look at verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Look at your outline. Having received mercy in our thirst for righteousness, our first reaction is to show mercy. So here you are, you're hungering and thirsting for the things of God, and he is satisfying you because you are born again, child of the king, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you are a well springing up eternal life. And every single day, you, your whole desire from the time the sun comes up, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. Today is a gift from God. I will honor God today, and no matter what happens, today God will get my best. And you walk out with that mindset, and you're hungering for his righteousness, and out of that comes the mercy. I mean, you have been showered with mercy. It is our job in return, because we've been given much in mercy, to give much in mercy. Because what are others seeing in us? The Jesus in us. The real Jesus. Not the Texas Jesus, the American Jesus, but the biblical Bible Jesus. That's what it is. And so when they, when they see mercy, or when, they are, when you lavish mercy on them, it's absolutely mind-boggling to them. But to you, it's just natural. Why? Because I've been shown so much mercy from the Father. I need to be the giver of mercy in return. That's it. It's just as simple as that. It's, it's just, I mean, it's a conduit. He re, you receive it and you give it. The deal is, if you've been given mercy, but you think you're justified not to give back mercy, oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. You keep your shoes tied tight because I don't want my feet in them. All right? Man, when we've been given much, much is required. And I'm telling you, man, I know we live in a day and time where it is hard sometimes to give mercy. Mm. But, folks... You've got to well up a whole bunch of Jesus to give the mercy back that you've been given. You've got to remember that you and I put him on that cross just as much as the prostitute and the whore. We did too. Our self-righteousness that we think we are put him on that cross just as much, man. Just as much. And we've been given mercy, boy, and we've got to give mercy back. We cannot be a mercy roadblock in the thinking it's all about Mm-mm. it's all about Him. Let's go to verse 8. Keep rolling through this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Look at your outline out beside that. As natural as water running downhill for the individual who is pursuing God is to have a pure heart in motives and morale. Folks, when you... Seek the Father when you are intimately in love with Jesus and you are seeking the Father and you are hungering and thirsting for His righteousness and you are being satisfied on a daily basis. I'm going to tell you right now, there it is almost impossible for that person to pray and to act with motives that don't line up with God's will. Almost impossible. I said almost. I mean, when you're, when you're so walking with the Father that what you ask is he agrees with it. I mean, it's like he prayed it. And when you pray it, I mean, power comes, and it happens, man. It just happens. When you pray and it happens, isn't that not some kind of incredible feeling? I mean, you pray, and boom, it happens. And you're like, whoo alright you all right. Y'all need to get me to pray more. As soon as you say that, the rest of your prayers are like, roadblock, can't get past the roof, all Right? I mean, you can't do it that way. You praying in the spirit, and he agrees with you, and he does it, you go, glory. That's all you, God. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, there's times that I'm, I we've, I lay hands on people, and, and I'm with a group of people that lay hands on people, and I start praying over them, and I'm praying stuff, and I'll get done praying, I'm going, Oh, that was, that was pretty good. I don't even know where that came from. I don't even know where that came from, all right? But as soon as I do that, I go, oh, I know exactly where that came from, all right? Because I don't want any lightning on a clear day, all right, to remind me where that came from. Let me tell you something. We, you, you, when you're walking with the Father and when you're, when you're hungering and thirsting for Him and when you're being satisfied and you go to the Lord and pray, you're praying His words, man, you're just praying in the spirit. You're praying the word. You're praying, and he's, he's agreeing, man. And what happens is when you start living your life out of that relationship, let me tell you what your motives are. God, God, honoring. There's no hidden agenda. There's no, oh, it's about me, but I'm going to make it look like a bunch of other people. Oh, I'm all about this, but it's really about me. Because I'm going to tell you something. There are some people that can smoke you chili, all right, if you're not wise to them, all right? And you got to be careful that your motives echo your life. Do not pray with motives that are selfish and call it God. When you're walking with him and hungering and thirsting for him and you're desiring his best and he's putting that in you, when you start praying, I'm going to tell you, it will agree with God. It will agree with God. Or you'll be going, you have this prayer lock. Because you're trying to pray in the spirit and God knows your heart is rotten and all of a sudden you can't pray for nothing. You didn't pray for the grass three times in that prayer because you can't get anything else out. Because God then locked you down because you're praying out of an evil heart. Evil heart. And your morals will be pure. I'm going to tell you, when you're walking in the, with the Father, your motives and your morals will be pure when you're walking intimately with him. And that's what he says. Those you walk in that way will see me, will see me high and lifted up. And that's our desire as we meet with the Father. As we hunger and thirst for him, that's what he wants, that we see him for who he really is. Because, folks, here's the deal. When we see him for who he really is, guess what we do? We see ourselves for who we really are. And I'm going to tell you, we're all like Isaiah. Woe is me. Woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Unclean. Let me tell you, there's nothing like the mirror that God puts up when we reflect off of him. He's our yardstick. Don't you measure off another human. Another human has never been intended to be your yardstick okay, Jesus is the only yardstick you measure your life to, the only one, and he's the only one that will tell you what your measurement is, it's not somebody else to interpret your measurement spiritually, okay, don't ask your best friend to tell you how spiritual you are, guess what, you keep buying his lunch, in your, his eyes, you're real spiritual, all right, but in Jesus' eyes, he might say, (laughs) dude, you ain't been with me in a quiet time in six months, six months. And the only time you pray with me is when you are in a pickle. I am not. That's not who I am. I'm the king, and I want you 24-7. I didn't die halfway on a cross. I died all the way. So quit giving me half of you and give me all of you and see what I do and see what I do. Look at verse 9. We're rolling. Matthew 5-9. Blessed are the peacemakers, For they will be called sons of God. Mm. Might get a little personal here. An individual who is pursuing God's heart will be an individual living in love and unity with those around them. Now hang with me here. A peacemaker. Didn't say a person who loves peace. It says a peacemaker. Friends, Listen to me. Jesus, when Jesus comes to live in you and the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in your life, you are at peace with God. You, know, you have peace because you know peace. No matter what the circumstance, environment, situation, any of that, it does not change who you are because inside you are at peace with who you are in Christ. And when you're like that, you can live among the people at peace. And you can be a peacemaker. But, my friends, I'm going to tell you something. When you're not at peace inside, you will always be at war with the people around you. You will be cynical, judgmental, critical, negative, grippy, complainy, just ugh. Nobody wants to be around them. They'll start in a Sunday school class of 20 people, and one month it'll be down to 16, and the next month it's down to 12, and the next month it's down to 8, and the next month it's 2 because it's your spouse and you, and he's locked in by a a covenant relationship with God, so he's got to keep coming to Sunday school because he's married to you, and eventually... He's going to get supernaturally sick every Sunday morning. Why? Because he doesn't want to go to Sunday school with you either. Because everywhere you are, you're toxic. Toxic, man. You want to vacate churches? Get a bunch of people that are not right with God and not at peace with God and who hate everything and are always negative and always judgmental, and you put them in a small group and you tell them to love Jesus and love everybody. He's about a recipe for disaster. He said, well, we got to have church unity. Yes, but I'm going to tell you, there are people that can't do church unity because they have no unity to God. If you don't have unity to God, you don't have unity with the brothers. Have you seen the cross? It's built like this and this. That means unity here brings unity there. No unity there, no unity there. It's simple. And you say, well, is that the problem in my marriage? I don't know. Is that the problem in my family? I don't know. Is that the problem? I don't know. But you've got to check yourself at the door. You've got to find out if, whether or not you have a relationship with the Father. Because if you're not at peace with him, you're not at peace with man. You're not. And he says you won't be called son of God. Watch out. My friends, peace is huge. See, the problem with the world is they, there's no peace in the world because it can't be peace in the world, okay? So they say, well, I, I've heard that, that, that if you come to church, that's where Jesus is, and Jesus is peace, so I'm going to try it out. So they come from the unpeaceful world unto what they think is a peaceful church where everybody loves each other and encourages each other. And, and, and wants the best for each other. So they come into the church, and they see in the church what they see out there. And they're like, dude, wh- why? I don't get this. This is confusing to me. So they stay out. They stay out. And here's the sad part is the same people that are causing disunity in the church are sometimes the ones that's got their hands the highest. Because they're all about doing and not being. You better make sure that's the Holy Spirit that's got you worshiping and not you trying to impress your friends. Because, my friends, the worship of the Lord must come from within and go out. If it starts from out and goes in, you're in trouble. Because you're going to look around and go, oh, everybody on my road got their hands up. Unlift lift my hands. No. Don't lift them unless the Spirit tells you that. And Paxton will tell you the same thing. All right, It's an inner thing you got to be at peace with God in order to be peace with man, okay? If you're not at peace with God, you will not be at peace with man. There's no way. There's no way. Let's keep going. This is uh, not an easy stuff. 5.10, 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want you to listen to the statement out beside there on your outline. If we are not meeting the devil head on from time to time, we are most likely going the same way he is headed. Ouch. Anybody want to pass out some Band-Aids? All right. Here, I'm just telling you. I used to tell students all the time, Hey, dude, if the enemy doesn't know your name, Jesus probably doesn't either. That's just the facts. Because the way it all boils down is we die or he comes back and we stand before the Father and and God says, Jesus, you know him? I don't know him. You don't know him? I don't know him. Depart from me, never knew you. Or he would turn to you and say, Jesus, do you know him? Oh, I know him. He accepted me as his Savior when he was 10 years old. He loved me, man. He's not perfect, but he, he knows me. He knows me and I know him. Okay, welcome to heaven. Good job, my good and faithful servant. I'm going to tell you something. If the enemy doesn't know your name, you're not a threat. You're not a threat. You say, well, he's just always messing with me. I just don't know what to do. Kick his rear. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to sound a little like a coach, but I'm going to tell you, you've got to get ready for battle. When the enemy comes knocking at your house, you've got to tell him whose turf he's on. You just can't go, oh, my gosh, here he is again. He's just going to make my life and my week miserable. Why does he mess with me? He messes with you because you're a king's kid, man. You're, you're a threat to him. You're a threat. And if he's not messing with you, you're not doing anything. He said, well, the devil never messes with me. Okay. <laughs> you just stay over there. I mean, if he's not messing with you, you're not, you're not messing with him. I want... I mean, I'm telling you, when the devil messes with me or my family, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. It's an absolute compliment. I'm telling you, man, it pumps me up. I'm I, woo. When I, when I start seeing him messing with me, I'm like, "Dude, you picked the wrong dude. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, the size of fighting the dog, so I'm going to tear you up. Right? I mean, that makes me mad, because I see too many believers like like a wet pretzel. They just take it, boom, boom. Dude, you're going to have to get out of the corner and get in the middle of the ring and get your gloves up. You've got to remember who you are. And when he starts messing with your marriage, attack the sucker. Don't take it like a champ. Don't take it like that, man. When he's messing with your kids, messing with your home, messing with your business, messing with you, beat him up. Remember who you are and tell him who you are. In the name of Jesus, you don't have no place here, dude. Don't tell him, well, I go to church all the time. He don't care if you go to church. That's why he's messing with you. I'm telling you, man, I did a real hard thing. I was 41 years old, and I got saved, and I walked to the front of church, and I told everybody, well, you just better get ready because as soon as you tell everybody that you got saved when you're 41, I'm telling you, to get to 42 is going to be the hardest workout you ever had in your life. It's going to be easier to live 41 years than it is the last one. Because he is not going to give up that turf that he once had for 41 years without messing with you. Man, I'm telling you guys, you've got to take your eyes off this little merry ground that we live in here. There is a bigger world. I mean, it's a big world. And there's a battle going on in the heavenly realms. And it's after your soul, man. And it's after your home. And you better bow up. And these last days, if you don't bow up, you are going to be in a ditch. You've got to remember, man, that you're a king's kid and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when you go out there, don't think they're going to lavish you and go, oh, there's a Christian. Isn't he beautiful? That. No, that ain't coming no more. No, they ain't no secret pray, roll out the red carpet, put on your best dress. No way, Jose. They're going to throw rocks at you, spit on you, and call you all kind of names. And you've got to remember who you are. I mean, because it's not going to be easy. And so don't think it's easy. If somebody told you that being a Christian is easy, they lied. I just lied. It's awesome, but it's not easy, all right? Last thing is this. I want you to see with me that verse 10, I mean, verse 3, beginning of the Beatitudes, verse 10, the ending of the Beatitudes, look at the way they end. Same promise. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that beautiful? He booked it in with those words. Why? Because simply this, just like Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is where? In heaven. We're just passing through, babe. We're just passing through. This world's not our home, so don't, don't look for this world to make it all homey for you, okay? We're just passing through. This dirt ball is not our house, okay? That earth suit that you're in right now, you finna trade that in for some cool stuff, all right? So don't get caught up in it. This world's not our home, okay? It's not your home. Your citizenship is in heaven. All right, Brett. That last slide, and we're done. Here's what I want you to remember: remember the be, that remember the being comes before doing, for what we do is always determined by who we are. Are in the believer's case, whose we are. Yes, you gotta remember whose you are you're a king's kid you are a king's kid okay that determines who we are and what we do okay you're determined by that this morning as we enter a time of invitation i simply want to poise this question to you do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt absolutely no doubt in your mind that you are a child of the one true king That you know there's been a time in your life that you have been born again. Born again. My friends, don't leave this place if you're not 100% sure. Don't leave this place not knowing that. Because it all begins there. If you're ever going to be what God wants you to be, it starts there. It starts right there. You say, well, I, I just keep doing church and I'll be a Christian. Nope, you won't. You'll just be tired. Frustrated, mad, empty, hollow, all that. It starts at the cross. It starts at the cross. Maybe this morning you just need to come to the altar and say, God, I want to be more like you in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. My 7, 8, 9, and 10 just not doing good. Because the whole time I was studying, that's my question, kept coming back to God. God, I want you to tell me how I'm doing in seven, eight, nine, and ten. I don't want to preach a message. If it's ain't been done in me, I don't want to talk about it. How am I doing? How's Jeff doing? Maybe this morning your family been looking for a church. I'm pretty biased, but I think this is a sweet place. And I pray God leads you here this morning. We'll have some couples down each end of the uh, down the altar. Maybe you just need to come. Maybe you're burdened by something facing a surgery, problems at home, problems physically, I not really ask anybody to partner with you and pray for you. we got some folks down here that would love to agree with you with God and pray over you, pray covering over your family, over your marriage or whatever. So I'm going to invite you, as we stand in just a little bit during the invitation time, to respond to God. Not to me, to God. On the other side of obedience is always what? Blessing. Always blessed. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so very much for your word. Thank you, Father, that is active, living, and it penetrates, Father, even where we don't even want it to penetrate. And God, I pray that we as your people would respond to the invitation that's before us this morning. I have no idea of knowing how and what you said this morning. That's all you. But Father, I know that you have spoken this morning because we've been obedient in your word and we've been obedient in worship. And so, Father, I pray that we would respond to you this morning and say yes to you no matter where you speak. Father, during this invitation time, as we stand, may you move us, Father, in whatever area you need to move us.